I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Judy, great to have you. You guys are watching live. You're invited to be a part of the conversation. You know, i got to be honest with you. If, if I... If I had stayed in business, I was working for a Fortune 500 company for a while and enjoying it, doing well. Uh, but I went to ministry early, young. Um, but if I had stayed there and had a lot of success, at this point in my life, in my 50s, I, I might just be tempted to kick back and relax and in, enjoy life and you know do some good things here and there. Uh, especially if I had gone through a lot of heartache, because man there are some experiences in life that can just gut you they can you know just make you want to pull back make you just enjoy what you got left but today's guest has been very successful in business uh, and now works in ministry he has a new book it is called life is hard but i'll be okay it's written by johnny serpilla and just to give you a little bit of background on on today's guest he um started with his own rv center uh and i've, I've got some relatives who are big RVers, so i, I get how <laughs> i get i get what a big industry this actually is he eventually became the president of camping world and then moved on to the parent company as the chief business development officer camping world and good sam so very successful uh and and at a point where he decided you know what I'm not just going to kick back and enjoy, you know, the blessings in my life. I'm going to encourage others. And he's doing it through the book and he's doing it by being with us here today. So, Johnny, man, it's great to have you here on Life Today Live. It's a pleasure to be here, Randy. Thank you. So I'll give people a little bit of the business background. What I haven't told them is is really the heartache that you guys have suffered. Uh, and it's hard. I mean, when you say life is hard. You know what you're talking about. Walk us through some of what you've been through. So, Randy, my wife and I, we really felt that we had it all. We had our youth. We had um, both had successful careers. Uh, my wife was doing so well in her career right out of college, as, as I was mine. Uh, we had amazing friends and family, but we could not build our own family. And um, in that struggle, it turned into years in years of trying uh, to build a family, we eventually did become pregnant and very pregnant with triplets. And we had two sons and a daughter, Nicholas, Mary, and Peter, and they all ended up passing away uh, shortly after they were born. And our life was shattered. Um, we were in a very dark place. Uh, we were as strong in our faith as we had ever been. So we did not go through God, why me? Why did you do this to us? We didn't think that at all. We actually thought, and one of the titles of my book is, um, one of the chapters is entitled, Why Not Us? Mm -hmm. So we went down that path of realizing that bad things happen to good people. And we struggled to perform just daily living, which is where life was hard, mm -hmm. right? And eventually we were okay through a lot of prayer, a, a, a lot of uh, counseling um, and greeting together, but we used it as an opportunity to reshape our lives for the better and to find the blessings. 
that we had with Nicholas, Mary, and Peter, and not to judge the significance and impact of their life based on uh, the time that they were alive. How, how long? How long did they live? Just that evening. Oh, geez. Uh, now, at that time, uh, where were you in, in business at, at the time? I was running my family business. I was uh, heading up Serpilla RV Center um, in Akron, Ohio. And so I had a, about 80 employees at the time and was young in my career. I was 28 years old. Okay. Okay. So here's, here's my question. The reason I, what I'm kind of trying to get at is, you know, you, especially in your 20s, you know, guys like us that are, you know, we want success. We want to take care of our family. You know, we're a little ambitious in, in a healthy way, hopefully. Did that adjust how you looked at life and what was important to you at that point? It completely adjusted it, although I would say that, you know, being raised in a family of faith and in a close Italian family, family to me was everything. Mm. So I really couldn't define full success in life without a successful marriage and a successful family life at home. Mm. But what it did do for me, Randy, is it gave me a view and a vision of my employees' lives at home when I had the mindset that they needed to keep their personal problems at home and come to work focused and ready to perform and to take care of our customers. Because we were in the business of family enjoyment and fulfilling dreams for families in their vacation time. So I had this thought that they need to, yeah, problems at home, you gotta keep that at home. I believed that until I had problems at home. <laughs> mm. And then I realized how unfair I was to my employees to have that thought and that I have one heart and one mind that left the house with me in the morning and followed me to work. And so too, those problems followed me. And what I, when I say this, it doesn't mean that we bring our problems to work and therefore we dump them on others. Right. But what it means is that we need to have a supportive environment at work so that we can lift up others to ultimately perform their function at work. We need their head in the game. Absolutely, as employers, we do. But we have to be mindful of what's going on at home. And the way that we show that respect is by lifting them up at work, creating a positive energy and mindset where they're rewarded and they feel valued so that when they go home, they can bring that energy home, in turn, work on their challenges at home, and then come back to the workplace rested and renewed and ready to perform. And so when we were so broken at home, the last thing I needed was to take work stress and tensions there and bring it into my house, yeah. right? So that full circle and loop that we have as a being, a professional being and a personal being, we have to have harmony there. And that's what I worked uh, really hard to create for my employees and, of course, uh, in our home as well. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a couple ways you can go when you face a situation like that. And to choose the path of greater empathy uh, and understanding uh, is really a, a healthy response. Uh, do you have any stories from any of your workplaces where someone else is going through something really difficult and you are able to step in and lift them up in a positive way? Absolutely. Well, you know, first, Randy, you have to start with even the recognition that something is off in someone hmm. and have to really think about are we creating an environment where we're just forcing them to suppress that or can we encourage them to talk about it? Mm -hmm. And so over the years, I have talked to people and approached them to say, 
you know, I noticed that something's off. Something doesn't seem quite right. And that's when an employee came forward and said of a medical issue that she was going through and the challenges that she was having with the healthcare that our insurance, that our company provided in, in navigating the system and really realize that there's more that as an employer we need to do for that employee than merely provide the health coverage. We need to help facilitate where we can. And so then we needed to support her with resources around her because she couldn't perform her job at work if she was carrying these burdens so heavy. So as employers, we have the responsibility to help lift people up. And that's um, really something that we can do, not only for the goodness in our hearts and as God's called us to do, but you think about your mission at work, you create workers that then are in a better frame of mind to perform that mission at work that's so critical. Yeah, and you know, I love I love that. You're perfectly illustrating a point that I like to make because a lot of people have said to me over the years, man, I wish I was in full-time ministry. And they're working, and I'm like, you are. <laughs> you just, you haven't realized it. And and so, and, and yeah, I mean, you don't use the language that I would use here in a, you know, 501c3 religious nonprofit where we're, ministry is what we do. But you do the same thing just in a, in a, you know, maybe purely secular environment, but you can still minister to people. And you realize that young, I I mean, what, what, what was sort of your formation of that concept of ministry, even though it doesn't sound like a preacher, but you're doing the work in the business world. How did you did that just happen or is that something you consciously stepped into? I consciously stepped into it through the awareness of how dark our space was. Mm. And so when I realized how hard it was to get out of bed every day and what I was struggling with, I became keenly aware of other struggles that I may know of or may not know of where they're struggling too to get out of bed. And then it created not only an empathy Mm. in me, but then a sense of responsibility that we are gonna minister to each other Mm -hmm. very directly. If you're in retail, if you're in customer service, you're doing ministry work just in your engagement with how you greet someone. Mm. Are you putting love and kindness out there? Um, Or are you giving cynicism and resentment towards yet another question coming at me in customer service or another complaint coming at me in customer service. When you're in customer service, you sign up every day to go to work (laughs) to hear other people's problems, right? right? Right. Don't become a psychologist if you're not interested in hearing other people's problems. (laughs) Don't work at the help desk if you're not interested in hearing other people's problems. So there is a way to do the job, but not only get the task completed, but provide a ministry in the engagement for how you speak to someone, the words you choose, um, your voice tone, um, the welcoming, the greeting. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I love, um, and I comment to people all the time, whether it is a a TSA agent at the airport, if it is someone at a restaurant, but when they come to you just full of energy and enthusiasm at a hello, doesn't that make us all feel great? And you look at that and you just say like, I, I always have to comment, say, man, thank you. Thank you for starting off this dining experience this way. Thank you for making this entrance through checking my ID for me to get through security. Thanks for making it like this, man. You have a blessed day. And 
just those short interactions like that, for me, that's the chicken soup for the soul. It just lifts you right up. Yeah. You know, it's only when those TSA agents pat you down with too much of a smile that I get concerned. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, here's a serious question. Sorry. Uh, as you have lived this out over decades now, what kind of effect has that had on your employees? It has been fantastic to see, Randy, the employees grow in their desire and they're becoming mindful. You know, first, when you have that employee that maybe engages with you and you're like, good morning, and they're like, hey, <laughs> when you stop and pause for a moment because they don't even realize they're doing it. They might have done that to their spouse. They might have done that to their kids. Mm. It might have been a stressful morning at home, and they just bring that energy right into work. It's really doing them a disservice as a leader, or even as a coworker for that matter, to not show them, hold a mirror up to them and what they see. And, and to be able to respond back with, whoa, that sounds pretty rough. You having a bad start to your day? No, it's fine. Okay, well, the message you j just gave me was totally different than that. So I'm just going to ask you, if you're feeling great today, show that to other people. Help lift them up. And if you're not feeling so great today, if you need a few minutes to talk, let's do that too. Mm. Right? Take that time to engage with someone uh, so that they are very self-aware. And being self-aware is difficult. Sometimes you don't like what you see in the mirror. Yeah. But it's an important step for all of us to take to look in that mirror yeah yeah it's good we're talking to johnny serpilla uh this is his book full of encouragement called life is hard but it'll be okay wherever you get books uh and you know you look at the subtitle you're talking about the power of hope emerging through pain and learning to live with gratitude uh where after your the personal situation uh the loss of you know three three children and the, in a lot of ways, the death of a, a dream of a family, you know, at the time, um, where did, where did you find hope and how did you ever, ever get to the point of gratitude after that? You know, gratitude is one of my favorite topics mm -hmm. and, and I'll, I'll tell you, it's because it, it allowed us to survive, you know, without gratitude, when you have something tragic happen you're stuck in that tragedy. We were forever in the thoughts of the family of five of us that existed, that we worked years for, mm -hmm. um, and through a very tough pregnancy and all these things that we worked years for was gone as quickly as it came. You know, greeting all of us that have greeted children, the first time you see your new child, whether it's through adoption or through birth, you're there and you meet this person that's going to change your life. For those of us that have been with someone as they've passed and had the honor of being with a parent or a loved one when they've passed, I call that an honor, even though it's so hard to be there, but it truly is a blessing uh, to be there and to have that experience. We know that there's beauty in that. And so we had both of those experiences within hours of each other and at the same time, our hellos and our goodbyes uh, we're in, in one experience and confined to one room and our life experience together. And the heaviness of that, Randy, is something that we had to, simply had to find the beauty in it 
because the darkness was too much. And so referring to them often as we continue to 28 years later is something that brings me joy today to know that they did live a life of purpose. The impact that they had on us, on the parents that we became, to the subsequent children that we were blessed to have through adoption and through other pregnancies, which the book chronicles the crazy stories that happened there and God's hand through all of it. It's, it's truly, as I've been told, a page turner because you can't imagine the work that God did through us as we remained faithful to him mm-hmm. in praying for him to send us the children that we're meant to raise. And he did exactly that. And so gratitude is the only way to look at the experience because absence of gratitude is sorrow and pain and having a hard time moving forward. And Susan and I were both determined at 28 years old to not go through life feeling cheated and hurt Mm -hmm. and then manifesting that in our personalities. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to find all the beauty that was there in that experience. And as hard as it was, and the ending as sad as it was, there were so many beautiful moments around us that God put into our lives and the people that he put around us and the messages that he gave us and the signs and symbols that he gave us. It, it was one of the, one of the, if not the greatest faith experiences of our life. Mm-hmm. And so how could we not be grateful? Mm, very cool. Very cool. All right. So if people want all the details, they're going to have to get the book, <laughs> but give us the short sketch of the adoptions. What, what does your family end up looking like? So for us, it looks exactly like God intended it, um, which is um, ironic because it's nothing the way that I intended it. Um, you know, you don't grow up. I didn't grow up. Many people don't grow up saying, I can't wait to grow up, get married and adopt a baby. It's normal. I can't wait to get married, you know, have kids. And so we did have kids. We just had them in a different way than some families. And so the, the book outlines our journey for adoption, which was difficult internationally and domestically. Um, I'll save that for the book in terms of how it played out, but I can tell you this, when we were handed our son who is not biologically ours, but we are his natural parents. We are his real parents. Um, There is everything about our relationship that is very real. Um, The feeling of God entrusting this being and this creation with you was such an amazing experience. Hmm. And the issue of biology, if you are thinking that it defines parental relationships with their children. I can promise you it does not. Even having biological children um, after that came through very challenging and life-threatening situations for my wife and and other premature births, um, but Bella and Stone both survived those. There is no difference. Um, We are the family that God created and I'm just so blessed that I'm able to experience parenthood through adoption as well as through my wife uh, delivering babies uh, because we we see what God intended for us and who he intended to be our children as we are all his children. So so how many total did you end up with? Three? Uh, we ended up with three. Uh, there were, the book chronicles 13 different lives that came in and out of our life. Oh, wow. Um, 
but three is what we were able to raise. Yeah. So on the adoption thing, um, I can tell you from the other end of it because I was adopted. And, oh, that's awesome. And, and, and I actually know both of my biological parents now. It took me 25 years to find one and 48. I was 48 when I found the other. Uh, another crazy story. But, yeah, I mean, my parents are James and Betty Robinson. And though I have a wonderful relationship with a biological mother and biological father, it, you know, mom and dad are James and Betty Robinson, you know, uh, and so that the other relationships are just bonuses sort of, you know, really on top of that. But, uh, you, you, I think you, you've probably quoted the scripture about how we are adopted sons and daughters of God. Yeah. Right. So my, my parents too. And that really is the heart of the issue. Um, you know, there are some weird biological things that, that occur, you know, I, when I found my biological father, we both have some tendencies that are that mirror each other, and it's just kind of weird. But the relationship is the thing that counts. Uh, how's your How's your adopted? It was adopted son, right? Yeah, that's right. How How has he fared with the whole adoption deal? I mean, I've I've I'm good with it. I've never suffered any abandonment or insecurity or anything like that. How's he done? So first, I have to say that when you you mentioned that scripture, Bo would um, comment to me in church because every time that scripture uh, would be mentioned about us being uh, adopted uh, children of Christ, and I'd elbow Bo, you know, eventually <laughs> it was like that. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you don't have to hit me every time in, in church when the priest says that. I'm like, okay, yeah. so you understand yeah. that our relationship is biblical, right? Yeah. And, and okay, good. God so ordained. it's, it's yes. funny. Yeah, that's right. His his, um, his comment to me and the way he parented me on it. And so um, Bo, actually, Bo had a, a unique perspective as a young guy, um, and that Bo did have some angst over his adoption, maybe even as young as five years old, because we told him as yeah. as we were reading books to him as a baby. Yeah, me too. Um, but his angst was different. It was never, why did she give me up? Mm -hmm. His stress that he carried was, oh no, suppose she kept me and then I wouldn't be with my real family. Hmm, interesting. And be with you and mom and Bella and Stone. Hmm. And so he had kind of the reverse view of it. And so we would always say to him, you know, Bobo, God intended for you to be Bo Serpilla and to be our son. And so there was never a, if she kept you scenario, you were intended to be ours and, and that's the life you live. As he's grown and now he's 27 years old, uh, our kids are 23, 25 and 27. And so it looks like the perfect spacing of children when people yeah. say, oh, you have, you know, three kids under the age of four, you timed that perfectly. And, and we just laugh because we had uh, no ability for any of that. Um, but today, um, what he recognizes is that this family that he's been blessed with is his family. He has great respect and appreciation for his biological mother. Um, he at this point is not interested in relationships there, um, just because the, the connection he doesn't feel, but that could change over time. And we fully support whatever works best for Bo. And, um, he has just great admiration and respect that she, uh, did choose life yeah. and gave him the opportunity to live. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and that that's how I approached my biological mother when I found her. I literally called her on the phone and uh, and said, you know, you don't know me, but 25 years ago, you probably made a very difficult decision. Now I'm 25. At the time, I had two kids. Ended up with four, and said, but um, just want to let you know, I had a great childhood, uh, and I've got two wonderful kids of my own, and I just wanted to say thank you for giving me a shot at life, you know, and. I think that the only way that works, I, I think, and it's just my opinion, I guess, but is when I came from a place of a healthy family, uh, I knew who I was. I knew God had put me there for a purpose. He kind of went through a lot of trouble to get me where I was at. So I figured he had something in mind. Um, and, and I was secure in, 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 those family dynamics and I was an adult I do think that helps and so I was then able to reach out and find her and then another 23 years later find my biological father from a place of security and knowing who God said I was and not wondering who I was or anything like that Uh, and so the fact that you've put Bo in a healthy place if he ever does want to reach out or you know there's a connection somehow it'll it'll give him the stability to be able to to handle it right and it's just a better healthy place to be you know so i don't know this is not an adoption story actually i want to i want to shift the subject a little bit uh and and because you've got this ministry now that you've set up you've decided this is what you want to do i'll show people the website real quick this is encourage33.com and you can of course learn about the book there learn more about johnny there but i I really want to know why you did this and what it is you're trying to do. So for me, um, when I was deciding it was time to step away from the corporate world and, and at the age of 50 um, and, and really pray about what God had in store for me next. Um, it was Thessalonians 511, the verse, so encourage one another and lift each other up just as in fact you're doing. And I thought, that is exactly what I do. I love encouraging other people. I love lifting people up. And so that's what I want to do. And so over the years, what I've done is invested in businesses, I'll serve on boards in the, in the public and private sector, um, helping organizations in leadership, um, in uh, board development and strategic management, mergers and acquisitions, all the things in business that I have experience in, but help them very strategically lead an organization and and work in impactful opportunities where I could be truly myself. And in that, I do a lot of public speaking and a lot of keynote addresses, uh, whether it's for Christian organizations, Christian companies, or non-denominational companies um, and companies of no faith, but on leadership uh, principles. There is, or I should say companies of no faith, companies that don't make that a primary message. about the brand and there's there's space to talk about the encouragement and lifting each other's up and so that's where randy as i we talked about early earlier the ministry work and how we engage and connect with people it can be a ministry without all the faith-based talk i have plenty of opportunities to do that and i love when i can and be fully myself in other settings where i recognize that for this organization's mission what's appropriate there is to talk about how we engage with one another, mm-hmm. engaging or minister to one another, mm-hmm. similar terms, yeah. right? And so that's really where I find passion and enjoy spending my time. All right, last, last question for you, and this is 
it's appropriate, but it's kind of funny because it's always the, when the publicists send questions, which I, they didn't on this one, but it's always the last question. Well, usually the last question is, is where can I buy your book? It's like everybody knows that, okay? But the last real question is, what do you hope the reader takes away from your book? And I think that's actually an appropriate question. So when someone picks up Life is Hard, but I'll be okay, they go through it. They read your heartache. They read your triumphs. They read your, your business sort of philosophy, business ministry, ministry and business philosophy. What do you what do you hope they'll end up with at the end of that? Randy, I wrote this book for anyone who is finding life to be hard <laughs> and for those who offer support and comfort for the journey. So our story, which happens to be building our family, is just the storyline. Uh, the same principles can be used if it's financial struggles, relationship struggles, professional struggles, whatever struggle that you have in life. Ours is just a story of resilience and hope, of looking at difficult situations, tragic situations, and finding love, blessing, gratitude in those situations, and emerging through that pain, fully feeling the pain, fully experiencing it, never denying any of the reality of what's going on, but most importantly, coming out with a healthy mindset. And today, our world of people struggling with mental health I talk openly about my anxiety and the struggles that I have. And as the book shows, there are a lot of challenging situations unfolded in our lives that I had a lot to be anxious about. Yeah. So I'm hopeful that the book provides that hope and uh, a sense of people not being alone and an opportunity for them to dig deep within themselves because behind every negative path that we ran into and every obstacle, we never got to the point of saying we're done, whether we're done with each other in our relationship mm. or we're done in our journey and fight for the family. Uh, so many couples uh, that lose a child end up in divorce. Right. So many couples that have fertility problems do not end up having a child because they actually don't end up married. Um, the fertility clinic uh, is the first one that told us about that. Mm. And so that's what I hope people get out of it is really just that sense of hope that there is more behind the darkness and beyond the darkness and you got to push through it. Yeah. You know, there we talk, we all hear Psalm 23 about, you know, walking through the valley of the shadow of death and it is a valley. We don't deny it. Like you said, it is painful. Um, but there is only a shadow when there's a light on the other side. And you got to keep walking. You'll get to the light. And that, that's what I hear you saying. I appreciate you, Johnny. Really appreciate the encouragement, taking the time to share it with our audience today. Thank you for what you're doing in your ministry. It's meaningful. It's impactful. Uh, I'm a contributor, I believe, with what oh. you're doing. And so thank you um, for the impact that you're, you're making in the world oh. um, and, and sharing your ministry. It's beautiful. Okay. Well, we appreciate you supporting us. I did not know that. So thanks again. Very, very cool. <laughs> appreciate you guys out there watching you want to encourage somebody hit that share button and if you haven't hit like follow or subscribe to get more encouragement here on life today live do that now pick up johnny's book life is hard but i'll be okay we'll see you again next time here on life today live above all